This is a Socialist News and Views special report. I'm Nick Schillingford coming to you from the Urban Cabin Studios in South Minneapolis. Anyone who has recently been looking for housing knows that across the country we're facing a housing crisis. Here's a clip from NBC News about a young couple looking for housing in Reno, Nevada. Valeria Garcia is a college graduate and working professional. For the past year, she and her husband have been trying to buy a home, but the few that were available, the Garcias were outbid each time. I think it's just getting harder to live that American dream. At its core, the housing crisis is ultimately an affordability crisis. Housing is not affordable, especially for people living on a limited income. Here's a clip from that same NBC report of Catherine McNeil, who recently found herself homeless. It's not affordable. It's for, for a senior citizen, it's impossible to find housing. I remember when I first got my first apartment, it was a two bedroom. I paid $500 a month and now, a studio apartment is running anywhere from $1,000 to $1,200 a month. And the data backs that up. The National Low-Income Housing Coalition released a report called Out of Reach 2021, in which it says, quote, a full-time worker needs to earn an hourly wage of $2,490 on average to afford a modest two-bedroom rental home in the U.S. This housing wage for a two-bedroom home is $1,765 higher than the federal minimum wage of 725 and 612 higher than the national average hourly wage of 1878 earned by renters. In 10 states in the District of Columbia, the two-bedroom housing wage is more than $25 per hour, end quote. At this point, something has to be done, and clearly the big landlords and property developers aren't going to do it for us. In the Twin Cities, concerned residents banded together to push for what is called rent control or rent stabilization. In Minneapolis, this is under the banner of Merck, or Minneapolis United for Rent Control. And last year, both Minneapolis and St. Paul residents voted for rent control. An NPR article from November 2nd, 2021 is entitled, St. Paul, Minneapolis Voters Back Rent Control, and it's written by John Collins. It says, quote, Minneapolis voters on Tuesday gave the city council the okay to put rent controls in place. St. Paul voters took it further, backing a ballot measure that will place a 3% cap annually on most rent increases, end quote. But what is rent control and how can we really put it to work at making our cities affordable? I attended a meeting of Minneapolis United for Rent Control recently via Zoom called Why Cap Rent Increases at 3%? Get organized with Minneapolis United for Rent Control. To find out what rent control is and how we can push for the strongest possible rent control ordinance in Minneapolis. First off, is there a difference between the term rent control and rent stabilization? At the meeting, Dr. Tony Damiano, a PhD researcher who works on housing policy at the University of Minnesota, addressed this question. Here's the clip. Uh, when we talk about rent stabilization, rent control, are we really talking about something different? And I think the real answer there is no. Uh, there's no sort of technical difference uh, in most cases uh, between rent stabilization and rent control. Uh, in general, rent stabilization is used to sound less scary. Uh, rent control can often sound sort of uh, uh, scary, sound like, you know, Soviet um, style 
policies while rent stabilization sounds more market friendly, but uh, in 99% of cases, there's no technical difference. Uh, New York City is one exception to that because they do have a, in a program called rent control and another called rent stabilization. So just wanted to get that out of the way. But obviously what we're talking about here is a program that regulates how and when a landlord can raise uh, rents on tenants. So rent control and rent stabilization are the same, but are other cities using this strategy for affordable housing? Here's Dr. Damiano again on who has rent control now and the history of rent control in other areas. Uh, and uh, in the U.S., over 200 jurisdictions, uh, so cities, counties, including two states, uh, California and Oregon, have some type of rent control policy on the books. This is These policies have come in sort of waves over time. You know, the first wave uh, we see sort of uh, at the beginning of World War I. We also see price controls around World War II and then waves uh, in the 70s as well. Uh, and then obviously more, more recently in the past, maybe five years or so, uh, rent control has made a big uh, comeback in many ways. And as we see St. Paul uh, and, uh, and, you know, obviously Minneapolis, as well as California and Oregon uh, as states sort of represent kind of the, the leading edge of this new wave. So if rent control is something that can help us tackle the affordability crisis and others are already using it, why hasn't Minneapolis put in place a strong rent control policy already? The answer to that, unfortunately, is that many interests with lots of money, such as real estate developers and the politicians they support, are lining up to oppose rent control, or at the very least, put as many exemptions in place as possible. So to all Minneapolis residents, it's important that we understand what exemptions these wealthy forces may try to use to water down a rent control ordinance in Minneapolis. Here's Dr. Damiano again talking about these exemptions. You know, the first question, of course, when thinking about a rent control policy is, uh, what what's the cap supposed to be? How are you going to uh, cap rents? Uh, and there's a variety of ways to do that. Um, what types of exemptions to the policy will be uh, will be allowed uh, in terms of you know capital improvements, uh, taxes, you know things like that. Uh, what types of buildings are covered by the policy? Uh, uh, next, what happens when somebody moves? So. Uh, if you hear the term uh, vacancy decontrol, um, that's that's an important part of, of of the policy design, right? What happens when a tenant moves out of their unit? What is the is the landlord able to raise the rent more than they would otherwise? Uh, and I think lastly, something I want to mention is who enforces the ordinance, right? How do you make sure that landlords are are in compliance with the ordinance because that has a uh, a big effect on how effective, right? The the uh, the ordinance actually is. Dr. Damiano went into detail on a number of the exemptions, but I think one of the most important to understand is the cap on rent increases. Those organized with Merck are asking for rent increases to be no more than the increase in the cost of living and to be capped at 3%. Dr. Damiano at the meeting discussed a study from the Center for Urban and Regional Affairs, Cura, at the University of Minnesota, which looked at the impact of a 3% cap on rent increases on the marketplace. It found no significant impacts on landlords in the market, landlords would still be able to make profit off of rents, but it would be an important factor in freeing up money in the budget of low-income tenants. Here is Dr. Demiano. Uh, next on the flip side, we asked, um, what, what kind of impact would caps have on renters? How would they benefit? Um, what kind of changes would, would, um, would renters see with these caps in place? And so this is uh, looking backwards. So we kind of did a simulation using rent data saying, if a cap was in place over the last 20 years, uh, what, would, um, what would sort of be the, uh, the income 
that tenants would have saved had rent control existed. Um, I'm not going to go over, there's a lot of different models here, um, but I'm just going to go over a typical model here. So if, if there was a cap, if there had been a cap on, uh, on rent increases over the last 20 years, again, around 3%, uh, the typical unit in our, uh, in our model, the rent would be around 14% lower if there would have been a, uh, a cap at CPI. Uh, and the typical household uh, during that time period would save on average $615 a year. Uh, so again, especially if you're a, a low-income family, that's nothing to nothing to sneeze at at all. And then if you add that over longer periods of time, that's that that's real money. Um, and then obviously, the tighter the cap, uh, the greater the savings for um, uh, for tenants. So, when asking ourselves what Minneapolis should do, it makes sense to look at our closest neighbor, St. Paul, to see what their voters recently approved for rent control. An article on myvillager.com on November 10th, 2021 is titled St. Paul Voters Approve 3% Cap on Rent Increases. But the question becomes, what if any exceptions or loopholes did St. Paul include in this cap? Dr. Damiano says none. Here's the clip. And of course, we have a very, uh, very interesting example here. Uh, in St. Paul is a major exception here. Uh, the ordinance doesn't have any of, these, uh, any of these loopholes written in. It covers all buildings, all types, all ages anytime, anywhere, um, which has uh, a lot of advantages um, from the, the tenant perspective, right? That uh, you don't have to um, guess whether your building's covered. If you are a renter, you're covered. It doesn't matter who the owner is. It doesn't matter what, you know, when your building was built, you know for a fact that you are covered um, by the policy. Uh, and so, uh, from a tenant perspective, uh, it's hard to beat uh, the St. Paul policy for its simplicity um, in, that, in that sense. As we know with any ordinance, however, as with minimum wage, the ordinance is only effective if it is properly enforced. Here, Dr. Damiano talks about enforcement mechanisms, starting with most strict and best at protecting tenant rights. Uh, and I think la lastly, in terms of, you know, when we're talking about policy design is who enforces the ordinance, because this is obviously really important. It uh, doesn't matter how strict of a cap you have if, it's, if no one's going to enforce it if, if landlords break the rules. Um, one of the main ways uh, that more robust rent control measures do this is by a rent board, uh, where uh, either the city or through elections will uh, appoint or elect a, rent, a board of seven or eight uh, people who will then um, adjudicate disputes and who will set sort of the day-to-day -day running of of, of rent policies. Uh, most cities who do this also have rent registries, which means they, they actively track the rent uh, of each building. And so they, um, um, landlords have to get pre-approval if they're going to raise the rent. Um, uh, and so this is, is sort of the, the, the stricter form of enforcement. Um, the other type obviously is self-enforcement. Uh, state laws in California and Oregon require the tenant to initiate the, the claim. And so it requires the tenant to know uh, if and how their unit is covered, need to know who to talk to, you know, like how, how do I even make a claim if my landlord's breaking the rules? Um, and uh, talking to uh, tenant organizers out in California will tell you that it really depends on where you are, right? Especially if you're in rural areas or outside major cities, you can get judges who will just um, refuse to hear your dispute, even though uh, it's the law, and that's not an uncommon thing from what I've heard. So again, 
uh, rent board versus self-enforcement. Self-enforcement is obviously a lot harder to um, a lot harder to ensure that uh, tenants' are, rights are being uh, respected. Ultimately, Minneapolis needs a strong ordinance that has strict caps, and like St. Paul's, without carve-outs for big developers. A cap on rents must be tied to inflation and not be above 3%. Enforcement must have teeth and cannot be done on a self-reporting basis by landlords. We must protect tenants and the supply of affordable housing. At the meeting, renter and union worker Maddie spoke about how we can win strong rent control in Minneapolis, and we end with that. Here's Maddie. My name is Maddie. I'm a renter. I'm a tutor at Hennepin Technical College with the AFSCME local 4001, and I'm a member of Socialist Alternative. Um, I'm really excited to attend this meeting today to talk about how we can keep coming together to win strong rent control in Minneapolis. Uh, in the past year, I've door knocked, postered, attended rallies with fellow neighbors uh, through Merck, and it's clear to me that our greatest strength in the fight for strong rent control and overall like housing justice in the city is by becoming an organized force of community members who care to see each other housed. Uh, the reason that people in the city of Minneapolis were able to vote on the possibility of rent control this past November was because of our movement and because we put pressure on city hall to make that happen. Um, and it's ordinary people, renters and working people organizing together for our needs and putting this pressure on city council for our city to be more affordable and livable, for our city to be supportive of community interests and not be a playground for housing profiteering by the real estate lobby. And that's gotten us to where we are in this fight for rent control today. And it's our movement that's waged the fight for rent control. It's through this movement that we can win too. Our demands for strong rent control are clear. We want to tie annual rent increases to the cost of living at no more than a 3% increase. We want to apply this universally to all units and not the tenants. We want to retroactively apply rental prices a year before rent control is implemented to avoid price gouging and include protections against the amounts that landlords can pass renovation and repair fees onto tenants. So being grounded in our demands and aware of the strategies that City Hall, the landlord lobby, and corporate interests will use to water them down is crucial to how we keep up the fight. In the past year, we've seen how the mayor and several city council members have attempted to push us, renters and working people of the city, out of the decision-making process for strong rent control and prioritize profit over people. So Mayor Fry voting the pathway for a renter-led process and several council members flipping their votes to line up against rent control. And now a rent control committee currently being guided by council members who also last summer openly spoke out against rent control are examples of some of the opposition that we face. So this language of involving all stakeholders describes a long history of tables packed with corporate and real estate interests with the goal of a compromise position at such tables, working class people are always at the disadvantage. As a union member working in education, I've experienced how my bosses have not prioritized the well-being of workers during the pandemic and how we as workers really needed to come together to fight for our well-being. Uh, just recently, my coworkers and I came together to make demands for KN95 masks to be provided for staff and students in our department, and our boss conceded to purchasing them which is a small victory and we're taking this further in our school by putting pressure on administration to distribute them across the school. So I see the fight for rent control being explicitly linked to the fight for better working conditions. 
Um, and as working people and as renters, we need our wages to reflect our ability to pay rent. So the fight for livable wages, um, like recently the fight for livable wages um, for ESPs, education support professionals in the Minneapolis public schools is a really great example of this necessary con um, connection. So from being a union member and volunteering with Merck, um, it's really clear to me that when we fight and when we organize, um, we win. And that's our show. Please check the show notes to find links to the reports mentioned in our program today and also a link if you're interested in getting involved with Minneapolis United for rent control. And as always, if you have comments, concerns, questions, you can send those to socialist.news.views at gmail.com or find us on social media. Thanks. This has been a Socialist News and Views special report.